Well, good morning and welcome to the first worship experience of 2021 here at Hillside. Is anyone excited? It's a new year. Awesome. Well, we want to welcome you, whether you're here for Drive-In Church or you're joining us on our live stream this morning. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, My name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor here. We're going to go over a couple of guidelines, share with you a few things that are coming up, and then we are going to launch into worship a message today, and we've got some great things planned. So if you're here in person, a couple guidelines. We do have restrooms available for you. That door is over here to my left. Uh, we ask when you're in the building, please uh, please acquire social distancing guidelines. Masks must be worn to be in the building, uh, so please honor that. To our online audience, we would love to connect with you, so feel free to mention something in the chat. We'll have one of our staff uh, reach out to you if you have any questions or concerns. Uh, you can also reach out to us on Facebook at any time. We're happy to connect with you that way. Uh, we're excited to give in 2021. You can do that in a couple different ways. If you're here in our parking lot today, there are white tubes over to my left. When you leave service, you can give in those. Of course, you can always give online at hillsideassembly.org. We're excited about what's going on today because I can't think of a better way to start 2021 off than water baptism. And we've got somebody who has decided to follow Jesus. You'll hear her testimony later, and we're going to do a water baptism. Now, that will be indoors, uh, but you'll be able to hear it on the radio as well as see it live on our stream today. So we're excited about that. And we're kicking off our first event for 2021, and it's called Let's Pray together. This will happen starting tomorrow, the 4th through Sunday, the 10th. And let's kick it off by telling you exactly what it is. And we'll do that with following scripture. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 says, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Of course, this scripture is talking about staying within the will of God. So if two of you go out today and you pray for a sports car together, that doesn't mean you're going to get a sports car. But what we does mean is when we follow God's word and God's word is in our heart and our desires to see it fulfilled, when we come together and pray, God moves in powerful ways. And so we want to pray together about a few things. And so we've given you today a prayer guide. For those of you that have driven in for drive-in service, that should have been handed to you when you came in. If not, you can pick it up on your way out. You can also go to our website, hillsideassembly.org. Scroll down on our face page. There's a button that says prayer guide. If you click on that, it will bring it up for you. And later today, we'll also link it to our Facebook account as well. So you can get the prayer guide there. So starting tomorrow, we're going to have seven specific areas to pray about, each day focusing in on one area. So let's talk about how we pray. I know that we have a lot of new people that have joined us over this last year, and that is exciting. And I know some of you might feel intimidated about prayer, like how do we pray? Well, let's talk about it for just a moment. Prayer is not about fancy, eloquent words. I know sometimes it seems that way. Prayer is also not a magical spell that we cast. So if somehow we say the wrong thing or or we don't say it exactly right, it's not going to work. That is not how prayer functions. Prayer is connecting our hearts with Jesus. It's a conversation between us and God. And it's a two-way conversation. God wants to speak to our hearts as well. It's just not us asking Jesus for things. It's us connecting with God and allowing God to speak to our spirit, our heart, and our mind. 
So as we pray together, as we pray together for a couple different things this, this next week, there's a couple different ways you can participate for every level, no matter where you're at. One of the things that's challenging about being a pastor in this atmosphere is how do we bring everybody connection when everybody's at different places on how we're dealing with what's going on in our culture? And I believe God's given us a blueprint to do that. So if you're an extrovert person or you're outgoing, you've got a couple options on how you can participate in this. You can call somebody up and be led by the Holy Spirit. I think this is great. It's an awesome tool for you to be able to use. And and God may speak to you every morning about a different person to to call and, and pray together about what the focus is that day. Or it might be the same person every day. It may be somebody that doesn't even go to our church. And it might be someone who doesn't even know Jesus yet. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, there will be fruit that will be reaped. Also, if you feel comfortable getting together with somebody and praying, by all means, do that. Do what you feel comfortable with. So if you feel comfortable having someone over to your home, they're comfortable with coming over or meeting somewhere publicly to pray, you can go ahead and do that. Now, if you're an introvert person or you're new and, and you're just like, I don't know about this praying with people. How, do we, how can I participate in this if I'm not at that same level? That's totally okay because what we've done is we've put together a, a video series that we will launch starting tomorrow. We have through Thursday filmed uh, and they'll be releasing every morning. I think they release at 2.30 in the morning. Don't worry, your phone won't go off buzzing you unless you set it to do that. But it will be available to you. It goes up on YouTube first and then later in the morning on Facebook. There'll be a video where you can pray with me for the specific areas that we're talking about. We agree together and see God move in powerful ways. So several different ways for us to pray together in this week to see God move. So are you excited to pray together? We're going to have a great time as God speaks to us and challenges our heart. Hey, before we do anything else today, before we get into the preaching of the word, water baptism, let's pray and let's go ahead and spend just a moment in worship to prime our hearts for what God wants to do today. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, God, to stand here before you today. Lord, for our online audience and those that are here live in our parking lot. Lord, the opportunity to serve and follow you. God, to surrender our hearts. And God, I believe that you have a message for us today. That Lord, just as you spoke through the generations when people were were in very difficult and challenging times, you have a word for us today. And God, we want to obey you. We want to seek you first. Lord, so help us to lay down our burdens. Maybe we came with our expectations. We came with our preconceived ideas of what you're asking us to do today. To hear a word from you and to have our heart, spirit, and mind respond to you. Lord, we want to give you praise. And we start our service this morning by lifting your name up in worship and singing together. We give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. God, we ask you to move in your power for so many that are in need. Lord, we pray for the Omro community with such a tragic, two tragic losses this last week. Uh, Lord, we pray for the family of this lady who drowned just the other day uh, locally here. And, And Lord, there's been so much tragedy this last week. But God, you speak and you provide and you put your people where we can be of use and where you can have mercy and grace and love extend out from your people. So Lord, help us to be in the right place at the right time to help our communities walk through the loss that they've experienced. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. If you believe that, church, would you honk your horns? Would you say amen? Well, let's worship together this morning. Worship team, would you lead us? 
Hello, Hillside. Uh, this week, some of you might be celebrating Three Kings Day, and I thought it, it would seem like a good idea to do something along those lines with worship. Um, this song probably you wouldn't normally associate with Three Kings Day, uh, but one of the things that we can be bringing to God is just our lives. Now, the Three Kings brought the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, but most of us probably don't have the money to do that, uh, nor is God asking that from us. But even so, when we're giving away our lives or who we are, it's such a tiny offering compared to what God did, what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. Yet that's all he's asking from us. So we're going to sing God With Us by Mercy Me. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? What do you see that's worth looking our way? We are free in ways that we never should be. Sweet release from the grip of
for sharing that song with us this morning. What a great way to kickstart our service. Well, we're going to get ready to preach God's Word this morning. I take very seriously the preaching of God's Word. It's what I feel primarily called to do in my ministry. And I know sometimes that we might feel like, uh, you know, pastor just picks the verses that he wants. And I want to assure you this morning, I have not done that. Uh, I try really hard when, when it comes to preaching the Word to hear what God is wanting to speak to you and present it to you in a way that is understandable and for you to be able to apply to your life. And so I want to tell you this morning, there is no agenda here that I am trying to push other than for you to be able to hear what God is trying to speak to you today. And I want you to know God loves you. And God's word is here to encourage you. But it also has moments of correction and rebuke. And in those moments, God is not doing that out of anger. God is doing it out of love. He's wanting us to respond, to open our ears to make the changes that he's calling for, for us to be more effective in our life and to have a more vibrant living relationship with him. So this morning's message, yes, it is a warning. It is correction. It is a rebuke, but it is done so in love. And again, under one thing, to see you hear from God and respond accordingly to his word. We've been in a series called Mark. I believe that God spoke this to me way back when to just begin to develop a series about living like Jesus, doing ministry like Jesus. And the process of this is is for us to be able to go, we've done church so much based on what we've experienced. What if we just took the word of God and started to be the church that God called us to be in his word and not what we've just seen modeled for us over the years. To really stop and contemplate and think about is there ways to be more effective in doing what God has called us to do? And we're in the process of going through that. Today marks the 25th message in the series. It's the longest preaching series I've ever done. And we find ourselves today in the book of Mark, chapter 7, and this is the title of the message, Truth Versus Tradition. Let's pray one more time because I want to make sure we just hear what God has to say. Lord, I don't want these words to be mine. I want these words to be yours. You've made it very clear that this is the message that you want preached this morning to your people. And so God, we ask for you to move. I ask for you to move in this vessel and that these lips would only speak the words that the Spirit wants to utter. And that God, the ears would be open to hear and not only to hear, but also respond and reflect upon your word today. There is obviously a change you are calling us to make in our own life by giving us this word. And so, Lord, we lay down our preconceived ideas, our attitudes, our perceptions to grab a hold of what the Spirit has for us today. Lord, help this to be an effective ministry tool for us today that you would accomplish all you want to do in and through us. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when it comes to traditions... Usually the response of the church is this, as an individual. We're totally fine with giving up tradition until it's our tradition that God calls us to give up. And that's where we're at today in this word and where God was speaking over 2,000 years ago to his disciples and to the people in this community. We now find ourselves hearing that same word from God this morning. So let's go to Mark chapter 7 starting in verse 1. The Pharisees and some teachers of the law 
who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the traditions of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human tradition. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions, your own wants, your own needs, your own preferences. Verse 10, For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their mother and father is korban, and that is to be devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down from generation to generation, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going, in, by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked. Boy, Jesus cuts to the quick when he's talking with his own ministry team. Are you so dull, he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their hearts, but into their stomach, and then out of their body. And saying this, Jesus declared all foods are clean, and that's a message for another time. Verse 20, he went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is, for it is from within. Out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So as we look this morning at this passage of scripture, we're going to break it down for you. What does this all mean? How do we apply it to our lives? Where do we go with this? There are four stages to this drama laid out in the scripture. The first one is in Mark chapter 7 verses 1 through 5. And the first act is this, it's accusation. The Jewish religious leaders of the day were now openly hostile towards the Lord and his ministry. It's not unusual for them to follow him from place to place, simply to watch for something to criticize. I think that's the first thing that we have to address this morning. Are you critical? Did you come to this worship experience? Do you go to work? Do you go out in our community? And are you, do you go with a critical heart? Do you just look for other people to be making mistakes so that you can feel better about yourself, about your own spirituality, about your own faith? Is that the start of your day? Because if it is, what a horrible way to live. 
What a horrible way, but yet that's where these people were at. They're following Jesus, following the word of God, yet doing so with a critical heart and looking for opportunities to make accusation. What a horrible, horrible way to live, and it's not helpful to you or to others. There's no ministry going on here. You're stuck, and really you're spiritually dying. They accuse the disciples of failing to practice Jewish ceremonial washing. These these washings had nothing to do with personal hygiene because I just want to tell you, it's a good thing to wash your hands, okay? That's not what this message is about. It's totally fine to wash your hands. It's good to have good hygiene, but that's not what this was about. Nor were they commanded by the word of God, the law, to do that. There were, this was all part of a tradition that the scribes and Pharisees had given to the people many, many, many years ago. Our Lord had already violated the Sabbath traditions found in Mark chapter 2 to Mark chapter 3. He's already confronted this in his ministry and already broke the traditions. And we preached about that some months back. So the Jews were eager to accuse Jesus when they saw his disciples eat with defiled hands. Why would such a seemingly trivial matter, something that seems to not have anything to do with anything, and first of all, it's not hurting them, the people that are making these accusations. Why was it such a big deal for these religious leaders? Why would they feel compelled to defend their ceremonial washings? It's a great question. And here's the answer. Control. Control. After all, these practices have been handed down from their fathers and carried with them through the generations. To them, it was the authority of the ages. In the time of Jesus' ministry, the Jewish people lived in a culture that was out of their control. Does that sound familiar? They were oppressed by Roman occupation. They had very little control of their life. But yet, In their traditions, it was their way to control something in an uncontrollable culture. If I can control this, we'll we'll cling to things that we can control when things are out of control. We'll push all of our energy into these things, and sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. Just to feel like there's some control in an uncontrollable world. And that's what they were doing. In an uncontrollable time, they're trying to control things by clinging to tradition and making accusations. Are you doing that today? If you really seek God and the Holy Spirit and you welcome conviction, are there areas of your life where you are doing that today? This conflict was not just between God's truth and man's tradition, but also between two divergent views of sin and holiness. This confrontation was no incidental skirmish. It got to the very heart of the matter. What is true faith? Each new generation that emerges in the church must engage in a similar conflict. For human nature is prone to hold to the worn out man-made traditions that we put in place. And ignore and disobey the living word of God. This is not the first time that that this type 
of rebuke would come to God's people. In fact, you can find it all throughout the Old Testament. In one place particularly is in Zechariah chapter 7, where God brings a strong rebuke saying, you're praying, you're fasting, the words from your lips are correct, but yet the very heartbeat of God you're missing. One of the biggest things in Zechariah chapter 7 was this, why is there no compassion among my people? Why is there no compassion for those who are lost? Why is there no compassion for the hurting? Why is there no compassion for the widows? Where is my people? Where are my people? They're praying, they're worshiping, they're asking me to move in their lives, but they're not willing to move out and begin to live the life that I've called them to live with the living word of God taking hold of a heart. And is that where we're at today? It's really quick to point fingers at everybody else, but is that where you're at today? Yeah, you're praying, you're reading your Bible, but are you missing the God that's standing right in front of your face? Are your prayers, prayers for for what you want to see, what you want to happen, are you actually taking the time to ask Jesus, Lord, what is it you're wanting to do in my life today? What is it you're wanting to do in our community? God is speaking. God is speaking clearly. Yet I wonder if we're listening. And maybe even more so, I wonder if we're obeying. Are we obeying God or are we missing him? Traditions cannot take the place of the truth in the church. I know we all have traditions. We all have things that we love. And I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. But if they're holding us back from being obedient to Christ and doing what he's called us to do, we must let go of them. Stage number two, the next stage can be labeled condemnation. This is verses six through 13. We see this next act play out. And it's not the condemnation of the lost. It's the condemnation of, of those who are holding to tradition, the religious that are being condemned here. As Jesus defended his disciples and exposed the hypocrisy of their their accusers, the first thing he did was to quote from the prophet Isaiah, specifically Isaiah 29, 13. And then he brought about the law, then he brings out the laws of Moses, Exodus 20, 12, 21, 17, and Leviticus 29. How can the Pharisees argue with the very law of the prophets that they're saying that they're defending? In defending their traditions, the Pharisees eroded their own character. Did you hear that? In defending their traditions, they're eroding their own character, their own witness to the community. And not only that, but also the character of God's word because they're misrepresenting the word of God to the people who need it. They were hypocrites, play actors, whose religious worship practice were done in vain. There was no life to what they were doing. Their prayers and ceremonies and everything else, there was no power present. And there was definitely no life transformation taking place. True worship must come from the heart. And it must be directed in God's truth not in man's personal ideas, perceptions, desires, or preferences. God comes first. And just not in word, 
but in this heart. What a tragedy that these religious people would ignorantly practice their religion and become worse for doing it. Their prayer life, their worship, they were actually getting sick, spiritually sick from doing it because there was no life within it. It was empty. But they weren't just simply destroying their own character. They were destroying the influence and authority of the very word of God that they claimed to be defending. They were driving away the very people that needed a word for God for that hour. Here's the pattern for how that happens. First, there's this. There's preaching of doctrines, of preferences, and saying that it's God's word. That's Mark 7, 7. In the following verse, in verse 8, it's laying aside God's word, God's priorities, what God wants to do for what we feel comfortable doing. We lay aside God's word, and the, the problem with that is once we lay God's word aside, lay his priorities aside, what we do is we reject God's word, found in verse 9, and finally we're robbing God's word of its power, and that's in verse 13. We've lost out, and we didn't even realize it. We look good, we look clean, but there's no life because we've failed to prioritize the truth and instead replaced it with tradition. People who, who make man-made traditions above God's word eventually lose the power of God's word in their life. And our prayers become empty. They become void of God's power. No matter how devote you may appear to be, no matter how religious you are, no matter how, how, no matter how many scriptures you can quote, how loud you can sing, how many prayer meetings you attend, your heart will be far away from God when you place tradition above obedience to God. Is that you this morning? Have you traded away the power of God for your own doctrine of tradition and comfort and preference? I can't answer that for you. But I will be held accountable for my heart and my life. I don't know about you, but I want the real living word of God to come to life in me. I've experienced resurrection power. I'm not leaving it behind. I desire to be before our King and our God and surrender to Him on a daily basis. And sometimes it's a fight to do that. But that is the desire of my heart. And I desperately want you to experience that same thing. A question has been asked through the generations of recent church history. Where is the power of God gone from the church? All sorts of books have been written Phrases said, blaming it on sin, sin within the church, sin here, sin there. While sin is a real issue, there's an answer for that, and it's Jesus. My problem with defining that the miracles left because of sin is this. It never seemed to be a problem for Jesus. Because there was always miracles for the sinners. But where I see a majority of the miracles taking place 
is when Jesus, his disciples, or the church are prioritizing reaching the lost for Christ. I will tell you this morning, I believe the reason there are not greater miracles within the church is because the church has not done what we're called to do. And we can make all the excuses in the world for it. But the truth is, if we were doing what God called us to do, there would be hundreds of people saved. Now we're moving forward. We're prioritizing this. We've realized we've been doing it wrong. And now we're putting, putting the effort first and foremost in reaching the lost and preaching the word and let everything else come behind that. And it's changing the flow of ministry. And what we've seen is lives being changed this summer, this fall, and even into this winter. Over the last week, I've talked with several people from our community who are listening, who are watching, some who just drive by, who are asking, is there something that God can do in my life? Come on. That's because we've stepped out of the norm to bring the word of God to our community. God is moving. Are our hearts in the right place? Or are we standing like those men did over 2,000 years ago, clinging to tradition and clinging to accusation because we're desperate for control in uncontrollable times? I'm going to close up here pretty quickly. The third stage is declaration. This is verse 14 through 16. Jesus announces to this whole crowd that the source of holy living is not from without. It's not what's going on out here. It's what happens within these earthly vessels of ours. He was declaring null and void the Mosaic law. That's a message for another whole time. There's a whole thing there. But it's not about rules and regulations. It is about surrender to the Savior and following Jesus. But his declaration was surely understood by his enemies. They realized he was breaking down the walls that separated the Jews from the Gentiles. The us versus them. And for too long the church has put walls between those who know Christ and those who don't. It is time for the church to tear down the walls of division and start to take the gospel message to the very places that we walk. That is the desire of our Savior. It is what he shows us in Scripture. It's time to stop making it us versus them. And it's time that we realize the only difference between me and someone out there who's stuck in a sinful lifestyle is Jesus. That is the only difference. And if we're not willing to go, if we're not willing to demonstrate, if we're not willing to live, if we're not willing to have compassion, to show love, grace, and mercy, to show the resurrection power we've experienced, who in the world is going to share it? We pray all the time. God, send someone. Send them. Send them. Or we'll pray the opposite. Bring them in. When we pray for God to bring in sinners to the church, do you realize we are praying against the word of God? Because God's word is clear. He tells us to go. He tells us to go. That's the command from God. For us to go and to reach, to teach, to love, to encourage. 
That is what the Holy Spirit came to do, to give us fire to go, to go. Yet how often we've prayed for things that are not priorities for the king. He stands before us, and I wonder sometimes if our vision is seen through God to what we desire. I know I sound like a repeating gong. I know it. The lost, the lost, the lost. You have to understand that's the heart of our Savior. You have to understand when I go to prayer every day and seek his face, it's his number one thing that he says to me every day, every single day. It's what keeps me up at night that there's someone in our community that could be saved if we're just willing to step into what God has. I am passionate about it and I don't apologize for it. God wants to make a difference in people's lives and he's asking us to partner with him to do it. True holiness always is a matter of the heart. A right relationship with Jesus by faith and faith alone. It's not by works. If no one is willing to go and share, if no one is willing to go and demonstrate, if the people that need God the most don't have someone to show the way, to point to Jesus, how in the world can they experience it? See, get changed here, church, and everything out here changes. Have the right heart, have the right perspective from God, and it doesn't matter if we're in a pandemic. It doesn't matter if things get worse or if things get better because it's good in here. Because the king lives here, and the king will not fail his people. Doesn't mean that it'll be easy. Doesn't mean that there won't be time of mourning and tears and heartache. But what it means is we will be overcomers because we walk in the steps of Jesus. And Jesus will not leave us. He will walk through the hard times with us. The fourth stage is explanation. He explained the hard truth to his disciples the same way I'm trying to explain it to you this morning. I'm probably failing in huge ways, but I'm trying. Jesus had no illusions of human nature. As so many theologians seem to do today, and humanistic teachers, Jesus realized man is a sinner, unable to control or change his own nature. And that's why he came. That's why he died. He died for the lost. He died for you and me and for every single person in our community, your workplace, your family, your neighborhood. He died for them. He died for them. So why is that not the message, top priority message that we have for our neighbors? That Jesus brings hope. Instead, we'd like to criticize them, tell them how messed up their lives are and how messed up their ideals are and and their, their vision of the future and what they want. We tell them all that's wrong with their own life. They already know, folks. They already know. Because it's not our job to bring conviction. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And when we try to step into the job of the Holy Spirit, the only thing we bring is condemnation. And that is not of God. That is from the enemy. 
we need a life change that happens here. Because once this gets changed, everything out here changes. That's exactly what our testimony will be today from Hannah Health, who's about to get baptized. She's celebrating this morning the transformation that Jesus has had in her life and what God is doing in her life. I've asked Hannah to share. She's sharing from inside because we're going to baptize her right after she shares. Um, so we're, we're going to broadcast that on the radio. For those of you watching online, you'll get to watch it on your screens. And you can, if you want to watch it later, it'll be up on our Facebook page. But Hannah, at this point in time, would you come and share with us why you're getting water baptized, the change that Jesus is making in your life, the transformation that's happening in your life this morning? Hello. Um, for those who, of you who do not know me, I am Hannah Health. And I'm going to start this out by saying... I am a sinner in need of a savior, and I am the furthest thing from perfect. Um, I, all throughout high school, I wanted to show my faith, and I wanted to spread it to my friends, and they would always shut me down. And I just got to the point where I didn't want to be persecuted anymore. So I gave in to them, and I gave in to my sins and things like that. And um, recently, I started coming to Hillside, and I want to thank um, the Schultz family for inviting me here and bringing me to Hillside, because this is what has saved me. Uh, Hillside has been so amazing to me and have just welcomed me with open arms. It has been tremendous, and I have went through some awful times. I have been to my lowest lows and within that, I have learned to go to Jesus, to go entirely to Jesus and make him the number one. At the beginning, my prayers were for my own benefit. And I have learned to pray to know him better. I have learned that I want him to be my number one and nothing on this earth matters more to me than him and saving as many people as I possibly can with my testimony and what I can do. And um, I would like to share a uh, few verses that have really affected me and have brought me closer to him. And it's Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you have used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And for the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised up raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order for that, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by the grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that 
to me means that no matter what I have done in my past, I give myself to God entirely and he will forgive me for all that I have done. And I just want to thank you all for being such a big part of my life. And I would like to say that I am giving myself to Jesus entirely for the rest of my life.
Hey, great job, worship team. Uh, wow, what a great worship experience we've had so far. Uh, we're here, we're about to baptize Hannah. Before we do so, look, we don't want you to miss an opportunity to connect with Jesus. So if you're watching this morning or whenever you're watching this video or for maybe if you're in our parking lot today or maybe you're listening on the radio, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to surrender to Jesus, to find the hope that you need, the Savior, because he wants to do life with you. And so just like Hannah shared, look, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. So that's the first step is to be able to admit that. And the second thing is to be able to, to say, I, I'm going to trust Jesus. And it's a leap of faith to say, Jesus, I'm going to believe that you, you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again for me. And then we ask for the Lord's help to start following him and to plug in. And there's absolutely a place for you at Hillside, whether here personally or online virtually. We have tools that we would love to put in your hands to help you grow in Christ. I'd love to hear your testimony and talk with you. So reach out to us uh, on our Facebook page, on our website, email us. However, to let us know you've made a decision for Christ. And we would love to just give you some resources to help you in that way and to talk with you and pray with you. So let's pray this morning if you need a relationship with Jesus. Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Lord, I'm imperfect, I'm broken, life is hard. But God, your word promises that you would walk with us. And so, Lord, I ask you to save me, to come into my life, to live in here, to make the change inside of my heart so that the circumstances out there, they'll change eventually. But God, I need you to change this heart, this mind, this spirit. So, Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. I want to experience resurrection power in my life. So would you change and transform me forever? Lord, help me to begin to follow you, to plug into a church family, and, Lord, to, to, to allow my life to be transformed as I follow you. Help me to know your word, to hear your voice, to know the voice of the shepherd. Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We're excited if you just prayed that prayer. And we also want to pray for those of you this morning that we don't want to have the heart that the Pharisees had. We don't want to miss what, when God is right in front of us. We don't want our prayers to be powerless. We don't want our, our efforts and our worship to be meaningless. And we, want, we don't want to miss the Savior who's right in front of us. So let's pray together. Lord, we don't want to miss you. And Lord, sometimes it's easy to do because of human nature. We definitely don't want to miss you because of tradition. We definitely don't want to miss you because we're clinging to some type of control in an uncontrollable time. So, Lord, we surrender to you. Lord, make us one body and make us a body that is focused on you and your priorities. Lord, to love you, to have a passion to reach the lost. Lord, may our worship and prayers be powerful because we're being obedient to you. We're getting rid of the religion inside of us, and we're placing it with an authentic, real faith. And that, Lord, your resurrection power is found within your word. And, Lord, we want when we read the word for it to be powerful in our life. So, Lord, help us not to miss you. You're right in front of us. Help us to have the courage to pray, Lord, what is it you're wanting to speak, change, and transform in my life today? Just that simple prayer, meaning it from the heart, can totally change our entire life. Help us to have that courage to do it daily. We give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I hear the horns honking from in here. Wow. So, hey, we're going to do this. Hannah, are you ready? Are you excited? So, Hannah, I want to tell you, first of all, I'm so proud of you. Um, we've seen the life transformation in you in the past few months. 
uh, so much, in fact, that she, Hannah's been filling in for the other Hannah in the office, so I've gotten to know her quite well. And just your growth in Jesus has been phenomenal, Hannah. We're so proud of you. We're going to continue to walk with you, empower you to make a difference, to impact other people's lives. You just keep going after Jesus. So we're going to do this. Hannah, on your confession of faith, that you want to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the rest of your life, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So these are exciting days at Hillside and ahead. And look, I know that there have been lots of people who have made the decision to follow Jesus in the last few months. Water baptism is a great way to do this. We have several different ways we can execute this. But if you want to take that first step of obedience to say, I want to show others that I'm following Christ. There's nothing magical about this water, all right, except it's got really high calcium in it. So your skin's going to be great, Hannah. But... uh, There's nothing magical about this water. It's a symbol of obedience to Christ. Hannah was already saved before she got in the water. But this is to say, I'm I'm declaring in front of my friends and my church family and our community that I've decided to follow Jesus. So if you'd like to do that, please contact me at the office. We'd love to set up a time, answer any questions that you have about how to get water baptized. We can work a plan that works for you and whatever restrictions you might have. Our staff is willing to work with you. But hey, let's close out today with worship. We're going to send it back to the worship team. Mike will close us out. Guys, we love you, and we can't wait to see you at Drive-In Church and online this week. Remember, let's pray together all week. Be a part of that. Our videos will launch on YouTube and Facebook. Call somebody and pray. Get those prayer guides. Mike, would you lead us in worship?